Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Vanderbilt football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network presented by betonline.ag. It's been a long off season, but we are back once again in the Music City. I am Matt Perkins and joined as always, Commodore legend, seven-year NFL veteran and uh, all-around great dude, Ryan Seymour. Ryan, welcome back. It's good to see you, buddy. Good to see you too, Matt. It has been a long off season. Been uh been really busy. I've had two moves. I'm back in Atlanta, but I'll be sure to be uh, in Nashville on September 4th. Uh, obviously, I've just been trying to get as much Vanderbilt football as I can on the Instagram, seeing Coach Lee out there, uh, you know, some of the small clips. I got the whole rundown from you this past Saturday at the scrimmage. Heard you saw some really good things, saw some things we might need to address before we kick off. Um, but I'm going to love to kind of tap into those things as we get going here. But, man, it's good to see you. It's great to see you, too, buddy. Uh, before we get into it, I want to remind you guys that we are, in fact, presented by BetOnline.ag. If you're into any kind of sports betting, BetOnline is where you need to go to win money today. Live bets during game. Futures, uh, Vandy over under wins for the season three and a half over on Bet Online right now. I think that's right where that number needs to be. I I got three wins easily. I think three. You know our uh, our non conference schedule is going to lend us three wins easily. That fourth win is going to be a little bit elusive. Uh, we'll talk about that a li- as the season gets a little bit closer. I think our best chance is probably against South Carolina to get that uh, t- to get that fourth win in the SEC. But we will see. So, but no matter who your team is. Uh, and who you are, whatever futures you want. Uh, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Head on over to the website today. That's betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Before the next big game, before kickoff, the season kicks off, head on over to Bet Online to start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. It's, well, man, it's, I- it's fall camp, man. <laughs> It's I like know. it's the it's the time of year for excitement. <clears throat> it's 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 a time of season where hope springs eternal. And yeah. I you know I think that there are definitely some things to be hopeful about for this Vanderbilt team. I think it mostly revolves around the defense, uh, for a variety of reasons. A, uh, Clarkley, defensive minded guy. Even though he was a fullback, we know his you know he he. He uh, buttered his bread as a defensive coordinator, especially at Notre Dame. Uh, but I also think that uh, we have a really, really good uh, defensive coordinator in Minter. I think that he is someone who is one of those really top up and coming minds. If you saw or have read about the scrimmage from this past Saturday, you know that the defense absolutely dominated the scrimmage and I think that there is some things we can take away from that but not a ton Ryan I know that in your experience and in most fall camps for most teams the defense tends to be ahead of the offense especially early on was that your experience and if so why do you think that is absolutely um well you know when you look at an offense obviously you're looking at a lot of moving parts that have to they have to work together, right? Obviously, in offense, you're 
um, you're relying on the guy next to you to help, you know, plays develop. Things are going to take a little while to unfold. Um, you're going to take, you know, you're going to, you're going to need longer time, I guess you could say, to kind of get in that rhythm as an offense versus at defense, you know, anyone can go out there and uh, get juiced up on a Saturday for a scrimmage and make some big plays, you know, um, not that the defense doesn't work as a team, but certainly you could have times, you know, you can have your moments to really shine on defense um, just because, you know, it's a very emotional position in football versus on offense. It's a lot of kind of critical thinking and a lot of, um, you know, like I said, kind of relying on one another. And I think a lot of offenses just take time throughout the season to kind of put things together. I think they start figuring out who they are, um, start seeing what works, what doesn't work, areas to improve. And those are a lot more critical than maybe, let's say, defense. Um, I think you can see a lot. I think on defense, you can see things a lot quicker as far as, hey, we need to kind of work on this or that. And you can see those uh, those corrections kind of unfold a little sooner versus on offense. I think I think. Plays just take a little time to develop. And certainly, um, I know reading from the notes on Saturday's scrimmage under the offensive line is a key, is definitely a key emphasis for this season. We've got to have a better offensive line if we're going to have success, if we're going to win, you know, go, you know, plans on going to a bowl game or plan on being a successful winning season. First thing we got to do is address up front. And that's kind of where it starts. And we always talk about this being an O-line podcast, but it definitely does start up front. And I know from the defensive line perspective, uh, we saw some really, really good things. Guy making big plays and running back couldn't couldn't really put anything together because he was getting met in the backfield four yards before he can even get past the line of scrimmage. So definitely that obviously uh, some things need to be addressed up front. But I just remember from my playing days, you know, when I was playing next to Wesley Johnson or Joe Townsend or Barrett Guger, and I just think that as time developed and maybe me and Wesley got a little bit more comfortable in our deuce blocks or our pass protection or our communication or just the kind of way we see things and read defenses or how we pick up uh, stunts, those, those kind of things, we got better as the season progressed. And I think that's because we just got more comfortable with our terminology. We got more comfortable to kind of where we were on the field as far as, you know, where is Wesley at in his pass set? Or where is he at? Where does he like to hit the guy when we're doing a double team or like, you know, a combination block? So like those types of things, I feel like it's, you can't argue. It just takes a little bit longer time as an offense to kind of get things going, especially up front. Now I can't, you know, really talk for the receiver ends or maybe so much the backfield. And I know obviously the quarterback position, they get more and more dialed in as the season goes on. Obviously, the more reps you get, the more accurate you're going to be, especially at the quarterback position, at least in the passing game. Um, and the same thing for running backs. Running backs take time. They need the time to see what their offensive line is going to produce for them. And I think that obviously is something that comes throughout the year because maybe, you know, the running back can say, oh, you know what, on this play, I tend to notice that the back, the back end of the uh, on the all line really opens up. So I'm going to press this and I'm going to cut it back. Or, you know, on this play, so-and-so does a really good job of reaching. I'm going to take this on the outside rather than kind of cut it back. And so those types of reads for the, you know, from a running back position, again, it's going to take time to get to know their offensive line. And during, during scrimmages and during practice and during training camp, you're not, you're not necessarily getting that live look that you would like you, you know, like you would in a regular season game, like, you know, practice as hard as you want to go. It's really not quite like an actual game. You know, the juices aren't necessarily flowing like they would on game day. You're not, uh, 
you know, maybe laser focus like you would on maybe a Thursday practice. So I think to your point, Matt, why do offenses take a little bit more time to develop rather than a defense? You know, defense, I, we all know it's it takes a lot of heart to play defense. You have to be a crazy lunatic to play defense. You're, you know, pursuing the ball, you're shedding blocks. I mean, a lot of it has to do with just, I'm not going to get beat by the guy in front of me versus on offense. I got to think about, hey, I got to position my ass in the right hole or I got to account for this safety coming down. I got to account for this linebacker who's pressing up on defense. Things are flying really, really quickly. And it's a matter of reading, you know, pursuing the ball and attacking the guy in front of you. So I think we can see the defenses have a lot more success early on versus on offense. Things are just going to take time to kind of unfold, get into their rhythm and, and start kind of playing off one each other, off one each other, another, excuse me. And, uh, and, and knowing what <clears throat> your strengths are. And again, you won't know that until the bullets start flying. And I would say usually around game four or five is when really, I think the offenses start clicking the best. I know we did in my senior year and sorry to keep kind of rambling on, but I know my senior year, we really hit our stride at week, maybe five or six. And then we didn't lose a game the rest of the year. We lost to South Carolina, Georgia, Northwestern. And then we didn't lose a game again until I don't even think we, that was it. Those only games we lost. And then uh, we ended up finishing the year like six or no, or seven and oh, uh, to go nine and three that season. But, um, you know, to answer your, to answer your question, I think that's a, a real reason why we see offenses take a little bit longer and we don't really know what product we have until I think, you know, the bullets start flying until uh, game day actually presents itself because you're not really getting those true looks um, until you line up against another opponent. Definitely. And I think that we have to take, especially the Saturday scrimmage, the Saturday scrimmage, I should say with a, a couple grains of salt. First of all, they were sort of like splitting the ones and twos on the offensive line. So it's not, it's from what I saw, what I read, they were mixing and matching a lot. And so I don't think we saw like a full first team offensive line unit playing together. Now you can question whether that's like necessarily the right approach to be taking. I feel like you should be having like your one starting to play as a unit at this point. So they well, can we won't know, you know, yeah. Matt, not to interrupt you, but we won't know what obviously their, their mindset is behind that. We might have guys who are dinged up. We might have guys who need reps other than other guys, you know, cause not only are you, you thinking about your starting five, but you also got to think about, you know, who's going to be my backup six, you know, who's going to be that sixth guy or that seventh guy, because we all know in a perfect world, you know, you're not going to have a completely healthy O-line the entire season. Um, so at some point, you know, you might see some reps from, a, the, you know, the next guy up, the sixth guy or seventh yeah, guy. Yeah, the swing tackle, whatever. Swing tackle is, or yeah. swing interior guy, guard center swing guy. So, you know, we're not really sure, I guess, why they were perhaps rotating guys like they were. Again, we won't really know the answer to that. And I think that also one of the things that you have to take in consideration both the offense and defense are operating with new coordinators and new schemes this year. And mm -hmm. it's going to take longer almost always for an offense to get up to speed in a new scheme. You've got all the new terminology. You've got completely new sets. Which is huge. And people don't realize, oh, like, you know, shouldn't you be able to learn an offense in a month, which is how long training camp is. I mean, we're talking about playbooks as thick as a dictionary. I mean, you know, lots of different fronts. Every single play has a, uh, a check down or every single play has rules based on an alignment. So you're not just memorizing one play, you're memorizing one play against 
five different looks. And when you think about, hey, we're, we're rolling with 30 plays. Well, you've got five different looks on every of those 30 plays. So, I mean, it is a lot, especially for these young, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids to kind of pick up a lot of this, this information. Um, it, can be, it can be a little overwhelming. And certainly I know that for sure, dealing with seven teams, I mean, every single year it was a, is a challenge in itself just trying to learn that playbook. And so with both teams coming in with new coordinators, you know, you got to find ways as a player to kind of relate the old terminology to the new stuff. Hey, this is the same word that this one means or, you know, so uh, you got to kind of have creative thinking when you're trying to relate the play call into what it was last year. You got to basically empty your mind if you can of everything that you know, that you knew and heard last year. And now you got something brand new. Yeah. So, whereas defense is, you know, even if you are in a different scheme, it's still more instinctual. It's still based it on basically like get, get lined up and roll. You're basically you're getting you're lining up where you're supposed to get lined up. And then you're you're obviously pursuing the ball and you're making the play. And if you're a defensive lineman, know your gap assignments, you know, where and if you're linebacker, know where you need to fill. But e- even then, it's still you're still reacting to what you see and then using your physical abilities to get to where you need to go. You, you can't afford to think on defense. Mm-mm, if I'm sitting here thinking, not. oh my goodness, I've got to, I've got to, you know, step with my right foot here. I've got to, you know, make sure I keep my pad level down. If you're thinking on defense, the ball's already going to be thrown or it's going to run right by you. It's a very read and react type of uh, position. I mean, I, I think even it, it read and react doesn't really even diagnose that because you have to be reading and reacting simultaneously. You don't have that half second to wait and let yourself react. You have to be you have to be reading and reacting in the exact same moment effectively. And that's how great and that's how great defensive players and that's how you see uh guys that are playmakers are really good defensive players. They actually set themselves up before the ball even starts to even get themselves a, a more of an advantage. Obviously, we're looking at yardage, we're looking at down and distance. You know, obviously, when we're looking at a third long situation, I know at D-line, hey, I'm loading up. I'm giving this guy my best pass rush. Obviously, you know, we're probably – the chances are we're not going to see a run. We could have a QB draw, a running back draw, or perhaps maybe a uh, – uh, oh, what's it called? Screen pass? What's that? Screen? Screen, yeah. So you could have a screen or you could have a QB draw. But uh, to my point, I'm just kind of make here is that you can set yourself up in a lot of ways pre-snap to even give yourself a better chance because it is so fast and you have to have every single you have to have every single advantage. Um, or I would say the guys that are really, really good ball players do take every single advantage. Um, and that is pre-snap reads. That is getting in the right alignments. That is setting yourself up. Uh, before the ball even snaps to, you know, I'm kind of talking from a D line perspective here, you're forcing the O lineman to make, to basically react off of your movements. You know, you can, you can line up in certain ways where the tackle has to come to you or where you can line up to where he knows, Oh my goodness, here comes a bull rush, but then you go to a bull to a spin or a bull to a, you know, a swim. Um, And that's what you really see from a lot of these experienced and really good ball players is that, it is so simultaneously to your point. It is, it's not even read and react. It is everything at the same time is happening so quickly. Um, and especially those pre-snap reads, those guys that are really good at doing that are just amazing ball players. Yeah. And I think that especially because the doors bring back a lot more defensive 
players, a lot more defensive starters from last year than offensive players, especially on the offensive line. They got decimated by transfers, graduations, all that kind of stuff. They're breaking in so many new guys that it's really difficult to fully ascertain what this unit is going to look like on September 4th against East Tennessee State. And I think it's very nice that they start the season with East Tennessee State and aren't starting with an SEC game or something like that because it will, I mean, for all, you know, we can't completely discount any team, even if they're an FCS team. But, like, let's face it, like, East Tennessee State is a nice sort of warm-up game, if you will, before they really get into the meat of their schedule. And even then, they've got Colorado State the following week. Colorado State is a rebuilding program at this point. They could be 3-0 going to Georgia. I really think we could. I think Stanford's going to be tough. Stanford Stanford's going to be tough. Stanford's yeah. always a good team and you know I, I think that's coming to Nashville though. It's that's long, true. you know West Coast coming out coming all the way out to Nashville. I think mm-hmm. uh obviously Vanderbilt's going to be juiced up for that. And if we can pull a win off of East, you know, East Tennessee and Colorado State going into week 3, I think we're going to see an outstanding matchup against Stanford and if we can come out of that game Three and zero going into Georgia, and then you know after Georgia we got Connecticut, Connecticut who is probably could, the worst team in FBS. If not, it's right at be, the bottom. Could be four and zero going into Week Six, you know, and then like you mentioned, maybe South Carolina, Kentucky. Well, Kentucky's going to be good. Kentucky's I mean, going to be good this year. I, I I think you're looking at South Carolina. Probably Mississippi State as the other as the oh, most yeah, li- most likely SEC wins. Kentucky is Kentucky's offensive line. You want to talk about offensive lines? Kentucky's Those offensive line is nasty. Line. Yeah, nasty. Uh, they probably have the best offensive lineman in the SEC, arguably in Darren Kennard, and they got LSU transfer Dari Rosenthal, who is going to plug in immediately at right tackle for them. They are so good on the offensive line, and they've got skill position players too. Oh, man, man. I, I am I'm worried about your voice, man. Come on, I'm feeling confident though. I, I think I like it. You I'm know what? Bowl, bowl. We're going bowling this year, man. That is my. I think we could do it. I mean, if we can pull out three and zero to, if we can go three and zero the first three games, I guarantee you we're going bowling this year. If we go three and zero to start the season, uh, you know, I mean, Georgia comes to down and. As much as I want, I mean, Georgia's the top four team in the country, man. Georgia's silly talented. UConn's a win. UConn's got to be a win for this team. Uh, I think then then you're looking at games at South Carolina, Mississippi State at home, and at Tennessee. As you know, I mean, Tennessee at this point is a dumpster fire of a program. They lost like half their dues to the transfer portal, all of their most notable players. They're, They're breaking in. A new quarterback. They still don't know who their quarterback is going to be. I think that Josh Heupel is, uh, I, I call him overhyped because I, I just don't think he's honestly that great of a coach. He inherited a UCF program that had just, you know, coming off of a perfect 13 and 0 season and, or 14 and 0 season, whatever it was, uh, back in, in 2018. And the team got worse every year under him. So, I, I'm just not a I'm not a huge fan of hype bull, but well, hey, I'm sitting here. Know? I'm looking at the schedule, and I really hope that uh, you know, again we're hopeful to have Coach Lee with us now. And I'm really, really, or not hopeful. I'm glad we have Coach Lee with us now, and I'm really hopeful that we can have a really good season this year because I think our schedule definitely permits us to go bowling. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking about pre Derek Mason years, you know, under Coach Franklin. 
you know, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm thinking when we had Coach Franklin, we this would have been another nine and three season right here. You know, I'm looking at the second half of the year after Florida, and I'm thinking I'm looking at this, and I don't think there was a game we could have won against. You know, when the 2013 squad or 2012 squad, I don't think I think we, you know, maybe Georgia, maybe Florida, but we're beating Mississippi State, Missouri, Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. I think we would do that, and I'm hoping that we're going to see, you know, a similar program to where what Franklin left Mason, you know, obviously we saw that we have, it doesn't necessarily take five-star guys to produce a winning season. We didn't do that. We didn't do that with my senior class or, you know, 2013, the year after me. So um, I'm looking at the schedule and I think that this is going to be a big year for coach Lee because our schedule permits us to do very well. And if we start off the season, and three, it's going to be a fucking long, long year. Yeah, so, I, I think your your 2012, your 2000, you know, your 2012 team might go 10 and two against the schedule. I honestly think I'm thinking maybe you know Georgia. I, I mean, I love the confidence. Credit. I love the confidence. So, I, you know, but uh, but anyways, so we got you know big big things this year out of the Commodores. I think uh, you know we definitely have a good opportunity to to win a lot of games this year. And I think if we start the year three and zero, you could see some really really good things out of this team. We just got to make sure we get the O line working together early. I know I just kind of made a big point about the offense taking time, but uh, you know, we're not going to have a little room against East Tennessee. We're going to have a little room to kind of put some things together, but come week two, we got to get rocking and rolling. Have yeah, to. Absolutely. And I think that I do want to talk one positive point on, on this offense. And that's the wide receiver room. I think the wide receivers and pass catchers in general, I think Ben Bresnahan is a fantastic tight end. And I, but I think that this is a very deep and very skilled wide receiver room. It's definitely in the top half of the SEC. You could even, you know, potentially say they are like a top four unit in the SEC at the wide receiver position. It starts with Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson impresses me more and more every time I see him because dude just doesn't drop balls. Like he catches everything that comes near him. I really like, you know, Amir Abdur-Rahman. I think he is, you know, a potential game breaker as is Chris Pierce. I think that, you know, uh, Quincy Skinner, who has been uh, a, a really notable freshman, he had a big spring game. He's someone who can come in, probably play uh, both in the slot and outside, you know, and I think so this just receiving, uh, this Devin receiving. Body. Yeah, I think all these dudes are just I think I, I think that we, we've got a uh, so threats on the outside here. I mean, I remember again. 2012, 2013, because I, I refer back to those seasons just because, you know, those were some of the Vanderbilt Commodores' best years. I mean, obviously, you know, two nine and three seasons and 12 and 13. Um, it sounds like our it sounds like our receiving core. Uh, it sounds very similar to the receiving core during those two years. We had Jonathan Krause, Chris Boyd. Um, we had. Uh, God, why am I drawing a blank? Best receiver we ever Jordan had. Matthews. Jordan Matthews. <laughs> Jordan Matthews. You know, we had three dominating receivers during those two years. Uh, all three of those guys went on to play pro ball. Um, but having those threats going up and making plays, I mean, I think back to my senior year against like Ole Miss, Jonathan, or uh, not Jonathan, uh, Jordan Matthews going up and getting that big winning catch against Ole Miss to, to win the game in the last 20 seconds. He also had a big catch over the middle to, to take us to 20. It was like 26 to 20. 
that took us to 20. Um, you know, Chris Boyd going up for some huge catches, the, mo- the real famous catch he had in the bowl game against NC State where he leaped and caught a one-handed like OBJ. Uh, same thing against UT where he had that real famous catch where he bobbled it in the end zone and then ended up coming down with it. Um, so having some threats on the outside, you know, that is direct correlation in having a good football team. You know, obviously you're going to have Ken Seals back there who's now has some good experience under his belt. If the O-line can just give him a little bit of time to get the ball up and out there, it sounds like we've got a, we're going to have a good receiving core who can go up and make plays. Obviously we're going to have that. We're not going to have guys who maybe are wide open every single play, but if guys are willing to attack the ball, go up and make plays, we could see some really, really big things, huge chunk plays, which I think Vanderbilt's going to need. When they get those big chunk plays, it gives them that kind of momentum that I think they really need. Yeah, and I think that that's something that was definitely lacking last season, especially. Uh-huh. We had very, very few of those. Secondarily, though, you you mentioned Ken Seals. I'm curious to see how they're going to use Mike Wright this year. We saw him come in a lot of goal line packages last year. He is obviously one heck of an athlete. He's super fast. Best you know, runner. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's a fantastic, fantastic runner. Obviously, you know, he can throw a little bit. He doesn't have the same, you know, the, the same arm that Seals does. I, you know, there's the old adage that if you, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have any. But I feel like that there is a... There's definitely there has to be some sort of place for him on the field because there will be. he's there's too be good of an he's too good of an athlete he's too yeah, good of an gonna, athlete to not I, I, have him I, I, out there. There's gonna be red zone pa- there's gonna be red zone packages for sure when they get in the wild you know kind of some sort of wildcat or uh, at least putting um, Mike Wright back there to kind of give the defense different looks. Um, I you know okay so then that 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 leads me to a question that I want to ask you as an offensive lineman. Is that how much you have to change your mentality once when, when they bring in sort of that change up quarterback? And if if you know if we've gotten the ball in a touchback, we got the ball twenty five, and Ken Seals drives sixty five yards down the field, and they bring in Mike Wright, like how does that how does that feel? How does that affect the confidence of Ken Seals too? I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's probably it's more situational than anything else. Like, yeah. for example, like if you're gonna run a two point like for like two point plays, I think Wright's definitely like the guy you want to do because you want to have that option to run or pass. But I don't necessarily love the idea of every time you get down in the red zone, down in goal line, that well, you automatically bring Mike right in. Well, I say because the red zone because you're, it's gonna be certain. Uh, it's gonna be situational downs, right? So. Anytime you get in kind of a third and two situation or anytime you get kind of closer to the red zone where you're working with less field, the, the defense has to keep the run as a threat, right? So I think it's going to be very situational downs with Mike Wright. You know, I think you're going to see mostly 90% of the time it's going to be Kent Seals. Um, but when you get in these maybe like fourth and one or third and two or third and three kind of, you know, kind of plays where, you know, keeping keeping seals in the defense oh hey we're gonna this is gonna be a short pass this is gonna be you know a quick throw when you put it in mike right now the defense kind of has to they have to respect the run a little bit more than they would with seal so i think just kind of situational downs i don't think it's going to be every single red zone you're going to see you know mike right come in i think it's just going to be situational downs and if the offensive coordinator can use that the right way you know you don't want to be where every time right comes in it's a run 
you know, every time seals are in, it's a pass. So like if they can break that up and kind of even it out and make sure, you know, not every single time right is in there, it's a run, you know, you could have a really dangerous uh, second quarterback. So, you know, again, I think it's going to be all situational downs. I think it's going to be in kind of, uh, short down and distances, you know, whether that's like fourth and one, third and two, or red zone that you would see Mike Wright come in. But I think Seals is going to be the guy. But as long as they use Wright the correct way by not every single time, the defense is just, you know, corners are pressed and safety's up. This is going to be a run. As long as they don't do that and they kind of set it up like they did with, um, uh forget, like years ago, they used to do that jump pass. Do you know if you remember that jump pass they used to do? where they set them up where they did two times they did a jump pass. And the third time is when Pat and Robinette kept it and ran on the outside. So they could see some cool things where they set you up, you know, they couple of plays, they got right in there and it's a run. And then they could set them up for a couple of plays. He acts like he's going to run it and does a jump pass or, you know, tosses it out to the edge. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, but you know, to, to answer your question, as long as the offensive coordinator is using him correctly and that, they don't just do the same thing every time with right. Oh, it's going to be a run. Then you're just going to get absolutely mauled up front by the D line. They're going to know, Hey man, this ain't a damn pass. We're coming out and we're just going to push you back, you know? So for sure. For sure. All right. Well, you know, we, we, we've talked a lot about this season, but one of the things we've been doing this past, you know, these past couple of days, and we will continue this week is sort of looking back in the last 20 years of Commodore football and you and I put together our, you know, our, our all 21st century team, which was a really fun exercise, I think, to go through and sort of look back and talk about all these guys. I went uh, back and forth on a lot. Yeah. I was think, I was like, so did I. Uh, it was tough. So you know? as of recording today, we've released all of our offense as the, the train goes through next to my house right now. Uh, we, we've released all of the offense and apparently... Uh, you know, uh, apparently some people are uh, not necessarily agreeing with uh, our, our choices, especially at running back. Uh, you know, f former Commodore uh, Casey Hayward uh, kind of came at us a little bit. I think Zach, I think Zach agreed with him as well. Uh, we had Zach is being modest. He, Zach thinks he's the best. Well, well <laughs> no. I think we also think Zach is the best too. I, 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 I do, and that's an although unbiased. Numbers maybe not. Although numbers may not prove it, I think what he was able to do. Um, make make him arguably possibly the best running back. If, if you, you watch him, wa yeah, that's the thing. Watch the games and watch the tape. Yeah, and look at the numbers, not just in total. So if you haven't seen it, check out our Instagram, check out our Twitter at Believe in Vandy, and we for our backfield. Obviously, we have quarterback Jay Cutler. I don't think there's too much controversy there. Zach Stacy at RB one. I don't think there's a ton of controversy there either. Where it comes down is that we chose Keyshawn Vaughn over Ralph Webb. And this was a very difficult decision. Ralph Webb is the leading very. rusher in Vanderbilt history. Ralph Webb has more rushing touchdowns than anyone that, in Vanderbilt history. And that, was and that was Casey's point, was that we can't even have a conversation about running backs without Webb. And well, he's in the conversation. I, We're not saying it's not. he's not in no. the conversation. We're saying that, you know... So I'm going to I'm going to take the I'm going to take the pro Vaughn stance here for a second. Keyshawn Vaughn as a Vanderbilt Commodore. We're going to throw out his two years at Illinois because we're just talking about Commodores here, even though he was very good at Illinois. 
in two seasons at Vanderbilt, he had 355 attempts for 2,272 yards, which comes out to 6.4 yards per carry. Ralph Webb had 931 attempts for 4,178 yards, coming out to 4.5 yards per carry. That's two yards a carry more every, for Keyshawn people Vaughn. Don't want to, people don't understand, in rushing, two yards per touch is massive. We're talking... Point one, point two is massive, but two total yards is is huge. And if, if then once you take into account receiving, uh, and so if you do total yards per touch for his career, for his career, Ralph Webb had nine hundred ninety nine touches. That's a lot. That is a lot yep. of touches for four thousand seven hundred fifty yards. Four point eight yards per touch at Vanderbilt. Keyshawn Vaughn had 396 touches, 2,712 yards for 6.8 yards per touch. So he had only 40% of the touches that Ralph Webb got, yet he had 60% of the yardage. And he had 6.8 yards per touch. So every time Keyshawn Vaughn touched the ball, he got two more yards than every time Ralph Webb touched the ball. And yeah, and when you and I and you and I talked about this, and you and I talked about when we were picking when we were picking the top three for the for the backfield, you know, we were we were kind of thinking, okay, who would we want in a game situation? You know, if we're if it's to win it all, if it's third and short, and this is you got to get this first down to to win the game, right? To just not turn the ball over to the other team, you know, to kick a field goal and win it to to win the game, third and short, you get the first down, the game's over. Who are you going with? And that's when we decided maybe we like Vaughn a little bit better than Webb. Yeah. Know? And this is not to detract from what Ralph Webb did Hell at no. Vanderbilt. No, no, absolutely not. No he is a legend. He is, you know, statistically, he had, like we said, more yards, more touchdowns than anyone else. But if I was, you know, a general manager taking any of them at their peak, I'm going to take Zach and Keyshawn before I'm going to take Ralph to hand the ball off to. Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 I would love to know what Ralph thinks. I would love to know what Keyshawn thinks. I'd love to know what Zach thinks about this. But I also think that, you know, we, there is also a reason that Keyshawn's in the league and Ralph never really made a dent in the league because he's Keyshawn is an elite level talent. Keyshawn is a, he had, the combination of size, speed, that is that you need to be really productive at the next level. He won a Super Bowl ring in his first year in the league. He is going to get, I think, more touches as a second-year player this year. And, you know, the reason that he has been so, so successful is because he has that. I, I think he is a notch above Ralph when it comes to just pure running talent yeah i have to uh i have to agree which is why we decided to which to is make why we went with obviously it. everyone has their own opinions and obviously you know we're not saying that uh we're not discounting web or you know we're not discounting anybody you know when we had to just come up with a, the top three for the backfield that's who we decided to go with but and now uh, you did not right. overlap now you did not overlap with ralph i don't think i think he came the year after a year or two after you you graduated 
Correct. And and uh, Vaughn too. The, yeah. Uh, well, Vaughn, Vaughn. I know Vaughn was way after you, but yeah. well, I don't say way after you, but he was like six years after you. I think was his first season. His first season with Vandy was 2018. So. Um. But yeah, I had uh, I had Zach Stacy, and man, you know, I freaking. You were spoiled. You were spoiled. I love Zach. Well, Zach was spoiled because I I remember. I remember seeing Zach. I remember uh, getting a lot of touchdown blocks for Zach. I mean, he made us look good just as much as we made him look good. You know, again, that comes down to knowing your reads and knowing where to, you know, where to punch it, which hole you're going to go, which gap you're going to, you know, decide to take the ball. Um, I think me and Wesley did a really good job on a lot of reduced blocks on like power plays with Josh Leski pulling around. I mean, we had a lot of, Zach had a lot of touchdowns um, running off of me and Wesley, but Zach was just an amazing power runner. I mean, he could just maul through D lines and he could also get on the edge and turn it on when he had to. I mean, he, I mean, he took it 90 or 80 something yards against uh, Wake Forest. My like last regular season game of the year, we were down there on like the 15 or 20 yard line. And then West, and then uh, Zach took a damn 80 yards down the field and he had a lot of really, really big runs in his career. Um, Zach was a, just an overall great running back. He he was patient enough to where he could let the the holes kind of unfold. He could also freaking stiff arm the shit out of a linebacker and keep going. You know his yak or, or his like yards after being touched. Contact, he could yeah, drag, yards after contact, could, yeah, yeah, yards after contact. He could literally drag dudes down the field, um, and he punched it in when we needed to. I mean, there was so many times. Um, in, in our, in our, in my career playing with Zach, where you, you know, had to get this first down, you know, you had to get this touchdown to, in order for us to win. And freaking Zach, he was the damn playmaker. And that's yeah. all there really is to it. When I think about Zach, I think of a fucking playmaker. Yeah. And, and the other thing about Zach, like Ralph was, when Ralph played, the offense was like, we're giving the ball to Ralph. Zach had to split cares with Warren Norman. Zach yeah. had to, you know, well, especially- he also had a, yeah, he was splitting with Warren Norman. Uh, we also had Jerron Seymour. We also had who was really good. We also had, um, you know, a really talented receiving core that was taken away from a lot of his runs. You know, versus I think Webb, he was the go-to, right? It was, he was, yeah, he, he was the go-to. He was, the, he was like every play, we're gonna give it to Webb, gonna give yeah. it to Webb, gonna give it yeah. to Webb. Yep. You know? you know, Blossom Game would spell him occasionally, but Blossom Game didn't really sort of flourish until his senior year, which was after Webb Webb graduated. So. It was, you know, it, it's a really interesting debate, I think, it, it, and it also it shows like it talks to, uh, to the, you know, what do you value? You know, do you value the longevity? Because there is something absolutely to be said for that. There is something absolutely to be said, like you know, the, the best of the best ability is availability, and I don't think Ralph Webb ever missed a game. I think that he was a, you know, he was just, you know, he he was a great back who was always there. He was dependable. And, you know, I think, you know, we just value the, I guess we talk the upside a little bit more. Uh, our receivers, our receivers were a little bit easier to pick when it, when it came down to Jordan Matthews and Earl Bennett. I mean, those two dudes are both special. At tight end, Jared Pinkney, again, just a really, really great receiving tight end. I think that you could have made... I think there's a couple interesting cases to be made. We didn't really consider Dan Stricker because half of his career came late 90s and half of it was early 2000s. And then I think the only other guys we really probably, you know, we, we didn't talk about a ton 
but we did consider uh, Kalijah Lipscomb, Trent Sherfield, uh, Jonathan Scott, um, you know, and, and some some of these other guys that you uh, some some of these other guys that, that that you played with. But you know, obviously Jordan Matthews and Earl Bennett are just I think pretty easily a cut above the rest of the group. Yeah. And there was some really good ones, man. Uh, I mean, I tell you, when we were again going over this list, I think uh, I think Chris Boyd was an outstanding, outstanding receiver. Yeah, but he only had two seasons. You know, he only had two seasons. But those two seasons were pretty darn good. Those two seasons were pretty darn good. Those two seasons were great. I mean, he he missed his senior year with what happened with uh, with that. You know, we don't even have to bring it up. So, but again. Just raw talent. I mean, Chris Boyd, he was an amazing, amazing receiver. Jonathan Krause was amazing. There were some just really, really good guys to choose from, but I think you can't go wrong with Pigney, J-Matt, and Earl Bennett. I mean, just world-class guys, absolute playmakers. Just like for their generation, you know, they were just fantastic ball players. I mean, obviously Jordan Matthews is still a huge part of the Vanderbilt, you know, community. Earl Bennett now is, I think he's like player personnel guy with, with Vandy, uh, just all around great, great dudes. Um, and then I know today we did the O-line as we look at, uh, man, that was hard, man, that was hard to I narrow know, down the O-line. There's a lot of guys I think we could, we should still put on there. I think Spencer Pulley was a really, really good pick kind of he, but see, I think Spencer, he actually has shined a lot more in his professional career than I think maybe he did when he was with Vandy. I think he got an opportunity was he when he was with the Chargers to step up as a sixth guy as a swing guard center and had a and had a lot of success there when he's out in San Diego and then is now kind of he's I think he's still with New York. Um, yeah, he is. He's still with the Giants. Yeah, Spencer Pulley has done an outstanding job in his professional career, but as far as with the Commodores, you know. He had kind of one year that he was starting before that. Joe Townsend was at center, and then uh, and then Spencer kind of stepped in. So he was a close one. Andrew Jelks would have been a, another tight pick for me, and if he wouldn't have got injured, uh, if he would have, you know, if he wouldn't have got hurt, I think he would have been a really another top O lineman for us. Um, you know, I, I decided to go with Will Holden. He was very uh, reliable his junior senior year at Vandy, and then he went on to. I think he's still in the league. He was with the Niners, the uh, the Cardinals, uh, so he's had a pretty good stint with a with the NFL as well. Yeah, he's Wesley on the, uh, he's on the Colts now. So. Colts now. Wesley Johnson, you know, he'll always be one of the best, if not yeah. the best, O lineman to come through here. I know he wasn't a super high draft pick because of his size. You know, he was like two eighty, soaking wet his senior year, but. Uh, yeah, but what was amazing that he he played he played tackle. He played tackle at oh, that yeah. size. And for him, his footwork was impeccable. Yeah, I mean, he was a very, very um technical player, and he definitely had he played with an attitude. And I don't know if you would ever watch, we would be in meetings and you would see, you know, a lot of the O linemen kind of jogging down the field, but you'd see Wesley down there with the running back picking guys off of the pile finishing guys off to the sideline, burying dudes in the backfield. He was a really, really tough football player who had a lot of energy who would finish guys. I think he had a really good motor, and I think that's what he, – he just wore guys out. I mean, he would – by the fourth quarter, Wesley was still – 
He had a lot of endurance. And I think when guys got tired, he took advantage of that. And he wasn't, he wasn't letting guys get by. I don't know how many sacks he gave up. Not a lot. And then, um, you know, I think he just was an all around super easy pick. Chris Williams, you know, first rounder had a really successful career with the Rams. Um, he'll go down as if not the best or one of the best alignment of all time with, uh, with Vandy. Uh, I made the cut. I don't know how I made that cut. We but. know how we know how you made the cut. Stop. <laughs> well, you know, I had a decent you are, you NFL know, career. You're, decent you, NFL career. I had a better. I had a better college career than I had uh, NFL career. But you know, I was an All SEC freshman. Started a lot of games. I had a couple of injuries my junior. Year. I had to miss two two of the games against Tennessee and Kentucky. But uh, for the most part, didn't lose my starting position since I was a freshman. So I started, I went in, I, I, Thomas Welch got hurt against UT. Um, I went he was a tough guy first, to leave off the list, honestly, Welch was. Uh, he, if, it, if he didn't get hurt his senior year again, that was going to be another easy pick for us. Um, but Thomas ended up getting hurt. I actually ended up filling, up filling in for him the second half of his senior year. And then I started the rest of my career, my sophomore, junior, senior year, ended up starting at uh, guard and tackle. Um, so I had a lot of a lot of games under my belt, but again, playing next to Wesley, I think uh, we were. I think him and I were a really good pair that worked well together. I was usually at left guard, and he was at left tackle. And then towards the end of the year, when we have injuries, I bumped out to left tackle, and Wes went over to right tackle. But um, yeah, he was definitely a lot of fun. A lot of fun to play with. I think about him and I playing against like florida or Ole miss um or auburn I mean, we had a really really good deuce deuce block against uh auburn where zach stacy literally just had a he literally walked in to the end zone because we had displaced the three technique and linebackers so far off the ball so that, that was a lot of fun but i'm glad i was able to uh to make the list for sure and i know uh we got more tough picks ahead of us so we got more we go we'll talk about it we uh, in final round of the line we had uh, justin geisinger who's uh been on the show before oh yeah uh, just if I don't Atlas, talk much on Justin because, you know, again, he was he was quite a fit before my time. Yeah, he was kind of like, like Chris. I mean, yeah. I know I followed Chris pretty far. Like I followed Chris when he was in the league. Like I used to mm -hmm. watch him when he was with the Rams, but I didn't watch him. I didn't watch Justin as much. I mean, yeah, Justin uh, was in the league for a while. And yeah. just I, I, I've gone back and watched some highlights of Justin. And my God, man, he I've was. Heard, I mean, from the older guys, I heard this dude was a freaking mauler. And, and well, he's really he's built like early. a brick shit house. Yeah, like, I mean, I heard he would, he would bench press five hundred pounds like it was nothing. Yeah, which is just unbelievable. Like you, you're right. He is built like a freaking the Hulk. Yeah, he's he is just a block of granite. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, and and he's also he's turned himself into one of the top. Uh, he's turned himself into one of the top high school football coaches in the state of Tennessee now. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, which a like great for him. Great for him. And you know, and he is he's coached up a lot of pretty big name players, you know? I mean, he he had both the Tates, Wesley and Golden. He's had, you know, just JP2 has turned into a powerhouse up there in Hendersonville. And yeah. It's because he's of his on, guidance. He's, he's brought on some of the Commodores to to be on his staff too. I know uh, a guy I played with his name's Archie Barnes. He was a runner. He was a linebacker when I was at Vandy. He uh, we was coaching under him for a few years, and then Archie uh, picked up another coaching job down in Florida. But uh, yeah, I mean, done some really really good things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll talk about those defensive guys next week as we start to get closer to the season. Getting but, closer. Uh, 
Yeah, we're getting closer, man. It's, uh, as we record today on Tuesday the 17th, it is, you know, we're two and a half weeks away. Yep. Two and a yeah, half weeks and, away. Uh, so I really, really can't wait to see, obviously, the opener against East Tennessee. Um, uh, again, being an O-lineman, I'm going to be watching the guys up front. I'm going to be seeing how they're, you know, connect, how they're working together, how they're doing on the combination blocks, how they're pass setting, how they're trading off games and twists. You know, I'm going to be really watching that. And if they do a good job against the on the home opener, uh, I'm going to have some, uh, you know, they're going to have a really good season if they can just get it together up front. Mm-hmm, yeah, and I, I'm curious to see how how much they have to use the tight ends to block as well. Like, do right. they need that extra help, or can can we have our tight ends, you know, releasing out and putting more pressure on the defense that way? And if our tight ends do have to block, hopefully they block better than Tim Tebow did in the preseason game for the Jaguars. Poor Timmy. I think he got released today. He got caught today, yeah, like an hour before we started recording. So Yeah. You know. But, uh, he's a hell of a guy. And I, I would keep Tim on the roster just because, one, ticket sales. Two, he definitely is a motivator. And you can't argue that. He's in that, he's in that locker room, and you know that he's pushing guys or at least giving guys motivation, maybe the guys who are on the bottom who are just kind of need that extra push. Everything I've heard about Tim, he's just an outstanding guy. And, um, again, there's no argument that he is a hard worker, and I think that kind of is contagious. You need that in the locker room. Guys, yeah, you guys never played together, did you? Never played together. I played against him. You know, obviously, my my junior year, we played against Tim. Um, he was a year older than me. But, um, no, Tim is just an outstanding, outstanding player from you know just a work hard standpoint does everything right does everything the coaches ask him to do and then goes in there and kind of leads the team i would keep tim on the roster just because of those reasons alone like you know he's not going to let the team get down on themselves if the team for one starts kind of getting like oh feeling sorry for them you know that that speech that tim gave when he was at uf he he still is like that you know he still is hungry obviously he's still pursuing a career in professional sports, whether football or baseball, the guy just wants to compete. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ryan, great to be back in the saddle with you again. Uh, we'll be back every week during the season as we lead up to the season here. So uh, until next time, anchor down. Anchor down. Good seeing you, Matt. Can't wait for next week. Great to see you too, buddy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.